Once again, I would love to give praise to our King, the Almighty Yahuwah, and His Son, Yahusha Hamashiach. Shalom, and welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. And we hope you have enjoyed our podcast through the weeks as we continue our journey on the studying of the biblical covenant and its deeper meanings. So, if you have your Bibles ready, let's get started. Pastor, it's over to you. All right, thank you very much. Uh, I want to continue where we left off. And last time we uh, studied, we were looking at the Adamic covenant that Elohim had made with Adam. And we were looking at what we call the sustenance of the covenant. And we want to continue looking at the significance uh, of that covenant. And then we'll try to look at some similarities of this covenant with other covenants. But this evening, we'd like to look primarily at the, what we would entitle the uh, covenant as it relates to the particular significance and what is the significance of it. So we want to, again, look at Genesis. And in Genesis, we want to look at the second chapter. And I want to read a few verses there. Genesis. And here in Genesis chapter 2, we leave in verse number 7. And it says, And Yahuwah Elohim formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And then when we look to the covenant that he was making with uh, Adam, it says in verse 16, well, actually, let's go to verse 15, and then we'll hit 16. Here it says, And Yahuwah Elohim took Eliphtab the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So here we find here, he says he was to dress the garden, uh, he was to dress the garden and to guard it, which means to keep it. And then we look at verse number 16, it says, and, and Yahuwah Elohim commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. So here, what we're saying is that number one <clears throat> is that he made man out of the soil of the earth. And number two, we're looking at the fact that he placed them in the Garden of Eden. And then once he placed him there, uh, we're told that he gave him the stipulations that he could eat of every tree of the garden. And then in verse 17, it says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you shall not eat of it for the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So here he was giving Adam a covenant that when he placed him in the garden, he let him know what his limitations were. And what we're trying to deal with is the eating, the eating portion of the covenant. And now, in our dealing with the Adamic covenant, it had to do 
with the covenant sustenance, and we found out that the sustenance uh, that he had given Adam was the very basis in which he formed the covenant on, uh, the things that he would eat. And what we also wanted to understand as we deal with the sustenance is how it both relates and functions to man. We'll probe into the significance of the sustenance in both how it relates and functions to man. And we will refer to these two aspects as the significance of the covenant as it cor correlates with, with the covenant that he had given to Adam. So let us start with the correlation of the covenant. I want to see a correlation. And in dealing with this correlation, we want to look at the aspect of the covenant. And what we want to see is what we would refer to as the ecological correlation, the ecological correlation. Now, in the ecological correlation, we want to establish the relationship between the earth and man. When we consider the environment which Elohim extracted Adam from and the trees he was to partake of according to the covenant, there are some associations with the trees with the Adamic covenant. So we want to see how the Adamic covenant interfaces itself with Adam. So let us probe into these associations in the ecological covenant, in the ecological correlation, that is. Now, in the, e in the ecological correlation, we want to paint, we want to point out some associations between the earth and Adam. Now, when we talk about the word uh, ecological, it comes from the word ecology. And when we deal with ecology, ecology is a word that tells us how things of our environment are supported and connected. So when we talk about the correlation of the uh, covenant, in the correlation aspect of the covenant, we want to see how things are interrelated. And then after we can see that, then we can see uh, another aspect of the covenant. So we want to deal with the ecological correlation. In the, in the ecological correlation, we want to establish the relationship between the earth and man when we consider the environment which Elohim extracted Adam from and the trees he was to partake of, according to the covenant, there are some associations with the trees and with the covenant. And as we probe into that, we'll see in the ecological correlation, we want to point out some of the associations uh, between the earth and Adam. And since this earth predates Adam, and he was made out of it, then naturally 
there should be some correlation between the earth and himself. Okay, again, we want to go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, which says, And Yehoah, Elohim, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So here we see in Genesis 2, 7, it says, And, and, and Yah, Elohim, formed man of the dust of the ground. From our text, we understand that Adam, the human creature, was taken from the dust of the ground. Now, the Hebraic word for ground in this text is Adomah, Adomah, A-D-A-M-A-H, Adomah, A-D-A-M-A-H. Now, what we notice about this word is that it has a feminine ending. When you put the A-H on the end of a Hebraic word, it gives it a feminine end ending. And words ending in A-H generally are feminine. So the word Adomah is a singular feminine word. When we refer to the earth, we call her Mother Earth because the Earth is considered feminine, and because she and because she is a mother, then she could give birth. So if we have a Mother Earth that is coming from the word Adomah, and if it's a mother, then we look for a mother to be able to give birth. Now, if she gives birth, we would ask the questions. There are two questions we would ask if she's able to give birth. First question we would ask was, how does she give birth? And the second question would be, what does she give birth to? Okay, so how can she give birth? And if she is to give birth, what does she give birth to? So when we ask the question, how does she give birth? We presuppose that if birth is to occur, there must be a, a male and a female, the masculine and the feminine, the father and the mother, or the husband and the wife, or a man and a woman. If it is a male-female creation, who possibly could be the male of the mother earth? So here we have a mother, and we are saying, if she's a mother, it seems to be that it should be a father around somewhere. Okay, so let us probe into that. And so we want to, this time we want to go to Genesis. We want to go to Genesis chapter 1. And we want to look at verse number two. Okay, so we have already established that the ground in which he made Adam from, that that ground is the Adomah. It is the earth, the Adomah, Mother Earth. Okay, now when we read in Genesis 2, not 2, but Genesis 1, and we read verse 2, it says, And the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, 
and the Ruach Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. So here we find that it says, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. Now, on the first day of the creation week, it was Elohim's spirit moving upon the face of the deep. When we consider the word water in Hebrew, the word is mayim, mayim, M-A-Y-I-M. Now this word mayim is a masculine plural. So here we have a masculine plural, a masculine plural word for water and a feminine singular for the earth. Now, let us reason if the plural word for water is in Hebrew is masculine, naturally it's in its singular state, it would still be masculine, just like Adam R. If it was, if it were, uh, if it were in the plural, or if it's in the singular, it would still be feminine. So we say the same thing for the word mayam, which is water, that it's a masculine in its singular sense and is also masculine in its plural sense. However, one of the things we recognize that whenever the Bible mentions water, it never mentioned water. It generally mentions waters with the S. But in Hebrew, in order to make a, a word plural, they don't add S, they add I-M on it. So when you got Mayim, that's M-A-Y, and if to make it plural, then you put the I-M on there, and this is where we have Mayim, M-A-Y-I-M, it is plural. So if we have a feminine earth, and a masculine water coming together, it would seem to me that the water and the earth are married, which would be a marriage covenant. That would be a marriage covenant. So, if we look at the marriage covenant between the water and the earth, then we have something like a male and a female coming together. So the thing that we look at is the question that we ask is, now that we've answered the question as to a mother earth being capable of giving birth, we discover that she is capable because she is married to the water, which is her husband. However, the next question we pose as a follow-up question was the mother's earth being capable of giving birth is what does she give birth to? Okay, we discovered that she can give birth because she has a husband, which is the water. 
but what kind of children uh, can she give birth to? Let us probe into what it is that a mother earth gives birth to. Now let us restate our question that we posed earlier, which was, what does she, and when we say she, we're talking about Mother Earth, what does she give birth to in order to answer this question? Let us go to the creation account. Okay, in the creation account, we want to go uh, to Genesis chapter one, and there's a few verses that we want to consider. So here in Genesis chapter one, we want to look at verses nine through 12. Okay, and I'm reading out of the Sefer Bible. Okay, so here it reads in the Sefer Bible in Genesis one, nine through 12 says, and Elohim said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And Elohim called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And Elohim saw that it was good. And Elohim said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree after his kind whose seed is in itself. And upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and Elohim saw that it was good. Okay. So I know we wanna concentrate on those texts that we read here. Now, what we see in these passages of scripture is that once the land and the water was separated. Then Elohim called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And once having separated the earth from the seas, he commanded her to bring forth grass, herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind. So what we notice is that there were three basic types of vegetation to come forth from the earth, namely the grass, the herbs, and the trees. Those were the three things that he called forth. Now, what we notice about the earth, the water, and the vegetation is a process. Okay. So we notice that when he made dealt with the earth, the water, and the vegetation. There was a process. So let's look at this process. The process is that Elohim speaks, then he separates, and then he conceptualizes. So he speaks, he separates, and conceptualizes. When we refer to these three stages in the process, as the vocalization stage, the alienation stage, and the procreation stage. Okay. 
So let's go over that again. When Elohim speaks, that is what we call the vocalization stage, okay? When he separates, that is called the alienation stage. And when he conceptualizes, that is called the procreation stage. So we have three stages. The vocalization stage, the alienation stage, and the procreation stage. Okay, let us go over these three stages as we uh, continue our study. Let's go over these three stages. Okay. Now we turn to Genesis chapter one, and we want to look at verses nine and ten. Okay. Now in 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 Genesis chapter one, verse nine says. Elohim said, okay, now whenever Elohim says something in the creation, that's what we call the vocalization stage. He vocalized what he wanted, okay, he vocalized. And then when we read in the 10th, uh, but then we read in the, um, we, all right, we looked at the ninth verse, now we want to look at, I believe it's the 11th verse, the 11th, okay? In the 11th verse, it says, and Elohim said that the earth bring forth grass. But the first thing that we want to look at is that, again, we see, he says, uh, he said, okay? We're looking at what he said, okay? So that's still in the vocalization stage. So when we look at, see what he says, he's vocalizing. So in the vocalization stage, this is, in this stage, Elohim speaks what it is that he wants, okay? So when you look at verse 9, what did he want? In verse 9, he said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so, okay? So that's, that's what he vocalized. So the vocalization stage, it is simply saying, Elohim spoke, okay? So when he spoke, that was what he wanted to bring about. Okay, so now when we go to the, uh, when we consider what he spoke, then we go to the next stage, and the next stage is what we call the alienation stage, the alienation stage, which is a stage of separating things, okay, okay, now in this stage, Elohim separates what the things he is creating so that his purpose or them will be realized. So in the alienation stage, he takes the materials that he has and he separates them so that he can create the things that he wants to create. Create. So if he wanted to realize what he says, then there's some separations that need to be taken place. So we go from vocalization to alienation of making some separations. And then we go to the third stage. And the third stage is the procreation stage. In this stage, that which Elohim has spoken and separated comes into being. You see, he conceptualizes what he has spoken and, and separated. He now makes to come into existence that which he has spoken of and separated. 
and then the thing comes into being. So what we're looking at is the vocalization, what he says is what he wants, and the alienation is what he separates, and then the procreation is to bring forth that which he has spoken and separated into being what he has articulated. So we'll look at those three stages, okay? The vocalization, the alienation, and the procreation. Consequently, when we observe these three stages at work, Mother Earth, we can see how she can have children. Mother Earth comes from the Hebrew word we pointed out, which was Adomah, Adomah, A-D-A-M-A-H, Adomah. Now, let's look at the Adomah according to the three stages that we've just spoken of. So we'll entitle this, the vocalization stage of the Adomah. Vocalization stage of the Adomah. Okay, now let's, let's look at that, okay? All right, we have uh, in Genesis chapter one, and looking at verse nine, it says in the vocalization stage, Elohim said that the waters under the heavens be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. Okay. So he vocalized that he wanted the waters under the heavens together unto one place, and then he wanted the land to appear, and he said it was so. So when we look at this, we are looking at the vocalization and then when we look at verse 11 of genesis 1 11 it said and elohim said that the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so okay so we, we, we see again uh, what he said in verse 11. So in 9, 10, and 11, we see what he is vocalizing, what he's telling us he's going to do. So in this stage, Elohim says that the waters under the, earth, uh, the heavens be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. This is what he desires to take place. Now we go to the alienation stage, okay? Now, when we look at verse 10, and verse 10 says this, he said, and Elohim called the dry land, earth, and the gathering together of the waters, called he seas, and Elohim saw that it was good. So in the alienation stage, what do we see? In this stage, there is a water, and a land separation. You see the waters and the land separation. Elohim calls the land separation, he calls that the earth. And the water separation, he calls that the seas. Okay, call that the seas. As we pointed out earlier, the earth is feminine and the water is masculine. 
Therefore, when the two were separated to their respective places, they would remain side by side. In this side by side relationship, we would have a marriage covenant between the water and the earth. The water would be the husband and the ground would be the wife. The seas would be the father and the earth would be the mother. After this stage comes the procreation stage. The procreation stage. Now, when we read about the procreation stage, we read in Genesis 1 and we read verses 11 and 12. And in, in, in verse 11, which we've already read, it said, Elohim said, now we realize that's a vocalization stage. Okay. But when we read in, in, in the verse, verse 11, when it says, and he said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb you see here, that was the vocalization stage. And now we're going to see the separation and the, uh, well, not the separation, but the procreation stage because the separation stage was basically when things were separated. So when we look at Elohim uh, saying, let the earth bring forth grass, herb, yielding seed, the fruit tree, yielding fruit after this kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so. Okay, so that's a vocalization stage. Now in verse 12, it says, and the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in, in itself after his kind, and, El, and Elohim saw that it was good. Okay, so what are we looking at here? Okay, we're looking at the procreation stage because in verse 12, in verse 11, that is, he gave us the vocalization, and then in verse 12, he's given us uh, the procreation of, of what he had said. And after he had separated the water and the earth because he didn't want all of the plants to be inundated with water, so he wanted them to come up with the plants. So he wanted the plants to come from the earth, and so he separated the waters. So basically the plants are coming up from Mother Earth. They're not coming up from the water. Even though the water has a plate in there, he's coming up from the earth. And so in verse 12, it's letting us know the procreation that the earth is bringing forth grass, herbs, and trees. And the Bible says when he vocalized that, then the earth brought forth grass, herbs, and trees. Now, when we consider the earth to have children, which is Mother Earth, children are the vegetation that grows out of the earth. Those are what Mother Earth's children are. The father is the water, and the water is the earth. They have the earth produce the children, which is the vegetation. Now, considering the fact that the man came forth out of the ground, he is coming forth from the same place as the vegetation is coming from. Therefore, if man comes from the same source the vegetation comes from, then what is the ground, then what is in the ground is also what is also in man. 
Let us go on further to show from the Hebrew word for ground how the first man came about. Now, according to Genesis 2 7, now, it says, And Yahuwah formed man of the dust of the ground. And we pointed out to you that the Hebrew word for ground in this text is Adamah. And Adamah is a feminine by ending by its ending in ah just like when you have the name sarah it ends in ah which makes it a feminine name so when we analyze adamah we get the following words okay now when we spell out the word adamah we spell it a d a m a h okay and that means ground okay now, if you take the A-H off Bedomar, you come up with the word Adam. And what does Adam mean? Adam means man from the ground. In one way, we can say it means man from the woman because that's what Adomar means. So we have Adam. And then if we take the word Adam and we take the A off, we had D-A-M, down, and that means blood. And if you put combination of the word down, down together, it means a reddish color. So we know that blood was red after it was oxygenated. And then if you take the D off of down, you have A-M, and that means people. And if you take the A, off of people, which is am, you have the M. And according to the Hebrew alphabet, the letter M was taken from water. It is a symbol of water. That's what the M is for. And remember that the M is also masculine. So we have the cohabitation of the Adamah with the M in there, showing that there is a close relationship, a close bond with the ground and the earth. Now, when we consider Adomah, Adomah could be translated a number of ways. It could be a country or earth, a ground, husbandry, and land. Adomah, all of those words, land, husbandry, ground, earth, and country. And then if we would take the A off of Adomah, we would have, had, we would have the word Damah, D-A-M-A-H. And that means to be like, be likened, or likened, or it could mean to cease or to destroy. Okay. That's all in that word. And then if you take the D off, off of the word, we would have Amar. If we take the A and the D off of the word Adomar, we would have the letters that would be left would be Amar, A-M-A-H. Now, A-M-A-H means a bond maid. It could mean a bond woman. It could mean a handmaid. It could mean a maid or a maid servant. See, it's a, it's a, it's a lot in that, that word because when we deal with the earth, the earth is ground. The earth is able to uh, give us, it, it's like a bond woman is able to serve humanity out of the children or the plants that it has. And then if we take 
if we take the A off of Ama, we would have the word in Hebrew, Ma, M-A-H. Now, what does M-A-H uh, mean? Well, when we have the word M-A-H, it's sort of like a, question, a, a word that questions things, okay? So when we have M-A-H, it means how, which is a process. It means what, what thing, or why. See, all of that is in there. So when we look at uh, Adoma, it means ground. When we look at Adam, it means ruddy or another. And then when we uh, look at, if we take the word Ada, in other words, if we look at Adoma and look at the first three letters of that word, it means Ada or Ada, and it means to adorn or to make beautiful. And then if we take uh, the word uh, AD, just AD, the first two letters of Adama, it means even to or eternity. In other words, the word for eternity would be AD. It means eternity, forever. So Adama means the ground, Adam means man. Dom means blood, am means people, m means water, and all of that is wrapped up in the covenant that he made with the earth, thus showing Adam that if he ate of the trees in which Elohim had given to him, then his diet would be consisting basically of the plants or the vegetations that was coming from the earth. So when Adam looked at himself and he looked at the earth the same thing in the earth was a part of him but El but elohim did not want adam to eat the dirt so he put the plants in the dirt so that the plants can get the nutrients out of the soil that when adam ate the plants he would be getting the nutrients out of the soil that his body needed so when he made a covenant with adam of what to eat, he was letting Adam know that for you to have everlasting life, for you to subsist and have life at its best, only eat, only eat of the trees that I tell you, because they will draw the nutrients out of the ground, put it into your body. And if you can make a covenant with the ground, then the covenant in the ground would make a covenant with you. You would support the ground, and the ground would support you. And so when he made that covenant, it was going to be an everlasting covenant that throughout eternity, man would be on a plant-based diet and eat only those things that Elohim told him to eat of in the garden. Okay, we're going to close there. And as we close there, there might be some questions or some observations that you may have that you'd like to share at this time. I just thought it was very interesting to see how much is in the word Adoma? Mm -hmm. I mean, wow, it's a lot there. So yeah, I tell people that when you study some of these Hebrew words, uh, they're really pregnant with meaning, but you have to understand the Hebrew meaning of it to give birth to these words. Because when you get into these words, uh, they have a plethora of meanings. Uh, it, 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 it just, it just takes you to an, another level 
I mean, these words, uh, they, are, they are packed. Elohim just had packed them with meaning because he was trying to explain to Moses the creation. And, and what he was explaining, a lot of it was locked up in the words that, that he was given. Mm. Wow. Now, uh, and so you were saying also that when he speaks, that's the vocalization stage. Uh-huh. When he separates, that's the alienation stage. Uh-huh. And then the conceptualization stage was uh, the procreation stage. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. To bring forth. Now, I just was wondering, too, how he said that man could eat from every herb-yielding seed with exception of the knowledge of tree of good and evil. Uh-huh. And I just wondering, was that tree maybe brought from heaven or did that come from the soil from which he created man and every living thing? Yeah. Well, now, uh, there is a lot of uh, theology and controversy about uh, where that tree came from. But what I, what I generally do is I look at the text and, uh, and when we look at the text, it says uh, here in Genesis chapter 2, it says, and Yahuwah Elohim commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall not eat of it, for in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now, if we back up uh, a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, we can look at uh, some other texts to kind of give us an idea about this tree. Now, when we look at uh, verse 16, and then we compare it to Genesis uh, chapter, uh, chapter, chapter 2 and verse 9 of the same chapter. Now, the 16th verse is saying to him not to eat. That's a part of the covenant. But the ninth verse of the same chapter 2 of Genesis, it says, it said, and out of the ground made Yehoah Elohim to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So according to this, he planted both trees. He put both trees. Now, here's something that is interesting. Here's something that is interesting. Now, we know that he planted both trees Mm-hmm. Now, when we go to Genesis, the third chapter, uh, we, we notice in verse, let me see, in verse number six. Now, notice what verse six says. Genesis 3, 6 says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Now, notice she said pleasant to the eyes, didn't she? Mm-hmm. Okay, now, when we turn back to uh, verse number nine, it says, and out of the ground made Yahuwah Elohim to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now what Eve did, she picked up on, on the sight, but she didn't pick up on the fact that she was not to eat it because when the devil 
or the serpent start telling her that there were some things that Elohim wasn't giving her, then she dismissed that she shouldn't eat the tree. But since it looked pleasant to the sight, because the Bible says it was pleasant to the sight. And a lot of times we get carried away with things that look pleasant to the sight, but underneath what is pleasant to the sight may be detrimental. But according to this, the test that Elohim had put in the garden to see if Adam and Eve would keep the covenant was that he planted both of the trees, according, according to verse 10. Mm. I mean, verse 9. Mm -hmm. he, he planted both the uh, tree and the mist. He put the trees in the midst of the garden, and he told them what you want to be for food, and he also told him uh, the tree of knowledge and good and evil that he shouldn't eat of. So, for as I can see, according to the scriptures, he, he planted both of them. So it sounds like if he planted both of them, that he brought them from elsewhere. Because yeah. uh -huh. um, everything else, it sounds like it came from the ground. But for, him, for it to say that he planted them, that he brought them from elsewhere and put them in the ground himself. Okay, that's, that's uh, yeah, that, that yeah, that, it, yeah, okay, let, let's take that train of thought, yeah, that's a good observation, mm -hmm. uh, he brought it from somewhere else, okay, but, but here, here's, here's what we need to look at, too, mm -hmm. that when we go back to Genesis, uh, chapter one, mm -hmm. okay, now, when we go back to that chapter, now, either, Either he brought it from somewhere else, or he, at the same time that he was creating vegetation, mm -hmm. that he made it then. Because mm -hmm. when you read chapter one of Genesis, mm -hmm. it's telling you it's telling you what he did. Then when you read chapter two of Genesis, it's telling you how he did it. See, the only thing he says about man, he says, "Let us make man in our image." But then when you get into chapter two. In verse 7, it tells you how he made man. So I'm of the belief that when uh, Genesis 1.10 says, I mean, 1.11 says, Elohim says, let the earth bring forth grass, herb, yelling seed, and fruit trees, yelling fruit after his kind, mm -hmm. and whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And then he says, and the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. So when I see that, I'm over the impression is that at the same, on the same day, on the third day when he was making the veg vegetation, mm -hmm. that he also was putting the tree of knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life in the midst of the garden. Now, that, that may can be disputed, you may have to do some more homework on that, uh, because uh, what I'm looking at is that when he, when he made Adam, okay, mm -hmm. now, one of the questions is, did he make Adam out of the soil that was in the Garden of Eden? Or did he make him outside of Eden and put him in the garden? Because when you read in Genesis uh, chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, And Yehoah Elohim planted a garden eastward in Eden. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, just like I read 
in the first chapter, it tells you what he did. But when you get in chapter two, it tells you not only how he did it, but then he's telling you where he did it. Because he says he planted a garden eastward in Eden. So Eden must have been a, a, a big place. But he chose the eastern portion of Eden in order to plant his garden. That's where he planted it, on the east, eastern portion. And you say to yourself, why would you plant a garden on the eastward portion? Well, simple, because the word eastern or eastward, it means the sunrise. See, they look at the east is where the sun rose. Mm -hmm. And no doubt, if the sun rose from the east and you got a garden on the east, that garden is going to get all of the sunlight that it needed. Okay? okay. And then after that, he says, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it gives the impression that he didn't make him out of the soil, even though the soil in the garden may have been the same soil outside the garden. Mm -hmm. But he said after he made him, he put him in the garden. Okay? okay? And then he said, out of the ground made Yehoah Elohim to grow every tree that is present to the site. Mm -hmm. So he said out of the ground, he made every tree, you know, to grow that was present to the site and the good and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of the good and evil. So he may have taken some plants from heaven or something and put them in, mm -hmm. or he may have uh, been explaining what he was doing in chapter one when he was saying to the to the to the uh, herbs and the grass and the trees uh, that they should come forth out of the earth. Before we close out, can you uh, give us a word of prayer? Okay. Hello, Father, as we have studied another aspect of the covenant and looking at the covenant relationship that you had given to Adam concerning the trees and how Adam and his diet or Heavenly Father was connected in such a way that whatever was in the soil was also in his body. And so when he made a covenant with Elohim to be able to eat the things only he would tell them to eat, then his body would be able to receive of all of the nutrients and the nourishment that he need from the soil. And so we ask, oh Father, that as we look at this, that we can see that there is a connection between us and the soil. And as we look at that connection, we can be able to discern that through the soil that the plants be able to absorb all of the things that was needed for the human body and as far as we can oh father as we turn back to primitive godliness that our diets will have the father may be able to reflect on the things that we should eat and as you give us wisdom and knowledge we can put into our body temples only the things that you have given us because our temples our body temples are the place that you put your Holy Spirit. When you breathe into the nostrils of Adam, you was breathing into a holy temple. And you want us to be holy temples. And so as we put all of the right things in there, we are making a covenant with you that as we do those things, that your spirit can dwell within us. And if your spirit dwells within us, then your spirit can lead us and your holy angels can guide us 
and put us on the right track leading towards the kingdom of Elohim. We ask that continual blessing upon each one, each week, who listen to this podcast, that the power of the Holy Spirit may impress upon their minds that we are to return back to Eden in our dietary habits and to be able to get to things and to do the things that we were originally intended to do, that we can be the children that you would have us to be. And when you return, that our bodies, O Heavenly Father, may be in such good condition because we have eaten of the diet that you have given. And for those who may be sick and ill and have some melody, we ask that your anointing may be upon them to be able to give them healing. And as they are being healed, O Heavenly Father, help them not to continue to eat things that would be not appropriate to the body to cause them to get sick again. For often we make a covenant with you and we say, if you make us well, we'll do what's right. But oftentimes we go back to the same habits. So we ask those who may be addicted to maybe vices and things, Lord, that you're not going to the human body and that you're given the power to be able to overcome and to be able to break the chains through the power of Yeshua the Messiah. May his blood, O Heavenly Father, which is his life, give strength in our life through the through the Holy Spirit to be able to eat right and to be able to have the nutrients in our bodies to do the things that you would have us to do. And when we finish this life, or if Yeshua would come while we're still living, may our bodies still be intact. And if we are to be resurrected, oh, Heavenly Father, you can resurrect us to a new life. And one day, oh, Heavenly Father, when it's all over, we'll go back to the Edenic diet to be able to eat the things that you've originally prescribed for your people. And throughout eternity, oh, Father, we'll be able to eat the things that you've given to us in such a way that when we look back, we can say we were glad that we did it your way. These blessings we ask in the name of, the, of your son, Yeshua the Messiah, and for his dear sake we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Again, that is our podcast for this week. We want to encourage you to follow our podcast weekly. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. But the mercy of Yahuwah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as guard his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Until next week, listeners. Shalom.